Father, I thank you, God, for the fact that you do revive us. Even though we don't deserve it, God, you do. Even though we've done everything against you, even though that we, every single day, we, we sin against you and we break your heart. You still choose to revive us. You still choose to put in us, God, what we don't deserve, and that is your grace. Not just your forgiving grace, but your sustaining grace that holds us up. And we so desperately need that. Father, we need your presence in our lives to be able to just be able to walk every single day. And people that don't accept your grace, people that don't respond to what you have offered, Lord, I don't understand how they can even stand up and face the day. Lord, I just pray for those people. I ask you, God, in some way, some, some shape, some form, God, that you would reveal yourself to them. And even if it is through pain, God, I pray that they would see that they need more than anything else. They need Jesus Christ. Lord, because we all do. And we acknowledge that before men and before you, that we need you. So God, right now, as we open your word, we look what you have to say to us. I pray that we acknowledge that we need you by looking into your word and letting you speak to us and letting it change our lives. God, because this, this word sustains us. This word lifts us up when we are down. This word encourages us. God, it corrects us when we need correcting. And Lord Jesus, it shows us more than anything else your amazing grace poured out on us. So Lord, today, may we be revived by your grace. God, open our eyes and open our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So last week we were talking about a dude named Barabbas. And he was, an, he was a nasty dude, and he was fighting the right enemy, he was fighting them the wrong way, and we said that he had committed murder, he had killed some people, because uh, he was rebelling against the Roman Empire, and we talked about how that God set him free, that the people didn't set him free, but God set him free, in order that, that the wrath that Barabbas deserved could be poured out on Jesus, so that we all could be set free. And we talked about how Barabbas had this miraculous opportunity to acknowledge God and acknowledge who, who Jesus was and the fact that he was the very son of God. But there's no indication in scripture that he did that. That we are all given the opportunity to, to recognize Jesus for who he is and the fact that he has set us free. That when you have an encounter with Jesus, if nothing else, you recognize that you have that opportunity. You have that chance. Now it is your choice whether you accept that or whether you reject that and walk away with no acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Every single person has that ability to, to say yes or no to Jesus. And here we are going to look at that again in, in two other men who are hanging on the cross with Jesus. Everybody's heard the story of the two thieves and the fact that they are on the cross with Jesus, and here's a real encounter with Jesus Christ and the fact that these two men are hanging there on their deathbed, and they're making, one of them makes a deathbed confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, and one of them does not, and you see that both are given the option, both are given the ability to come to Jesus, and Jesus is dying right there in front of them for them, and one of them recognizes that's truth, and one of them does not. And you've heard this story a million times. We're just going to look at it. And we're going to let God speak to us. And we're going to let God show us something through his word. So we're just going to kind of read through this passage to begin with. I want to read it from beginning to end. And then we're going to go back and kind of look at it, okay? So bear with me just for a few minutes. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be a little bit candid with you here. 
My heart's kind of heavy today. My, uh, my daughter's 18th birthday is on Tuesday, okay, and she passed away from cancer. And uh, it's, it's a little bit tough for me today, okay? That's just me being honest with you for a second. Today's a little bit of a struggle. But I'm going to do this anyway. This is what God's called me to do, so I'm going to do it anyway. Struggle or not, heartache or not, I'm going to do it anyway. In Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32, it says this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place of the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and uh, the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when, you're, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Now we've heard this story a million times, right? We, if we've heard this story a million times, we've heard it a million and one. And what we... What we know is that there are two thieves on the cross. One acknowledges God as the Messiah, or Jesus as the Messiah. One of them does not, right? Both of these men have an encounter with Jesus. And here we, we see that it starts out, we, we, st- we start out looking at a couple of things here. We see that both these criminals are led to the cross, and, and they start to nail Jesus to the cross. And we see Jesus doing what Jesus always does. As he's being nailed to the cross, as, as nails are being driven through his hands, some people, you know, if you talk to biblical scholars, some people say it was through his hands, through his wrists. You know what? Hands or wrists, I don't know which. I wasn't there that day, but I know this, that they drove nails through his flesh, and it was for me, and that's a big deal. I don't really care where, if it was here or two inches lower, it was still a big deal because it was for me. And I tell you what, I don't want nails driven through my hands or my wrists. And here, he, he's, he's being nailed to the cross, and all he can think about, all Jesus, this Messiah, the Son of the living God, all he can think about is all the other people, including these two criminals, I'm sure, because as they're enduring the same thing, and he's looking out at the people, he's looking at the, the men driving nails into his cross, the men that are there, that, that are gambling for his clothes, because Jesus is hung naked on the cross as a way to shame him and embarrass him. And he's hanging there. And all he can think about is everybody else going, God, forgive them. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. God, pour your grace out on these people. God, Father, please, Lord, please forgive them because they don't understand. And the leaders, the religious leaders, the people that think they've got it all worked out in their understanding of who God is, all they can do is 
make fun of Jesus. All they can do is laugh at him. He says, this, this is the Messiah, huh? This is what a Messiah looks like, the one who is all-powerful son of God. This is what he looks like hanging on a cross. If that was true, wouldn't he be able to do something right now? Wouldn't he look something other than weak? Wouldn't he look very strong and be able to, to conquer the, the kingdoms of the universe with his abilities and with his power? Because he's a son of God. What they don't understand is he is. He's conquering death, hell, the grave. Every single spike that they drive into, every single time they hit that nail and drive it into his hand. It's him conquering the grave. It's him conquering eternal death. And they think that he's weak and he's impotent and he can't do anything. He's doing everything right there on the cross. He's the most powerful man in the world. He's the only one that has the capability to defeat hell and sin and the grave. He's the only one. And he's hanging there on the cross and they're driving these spikes into his hands. And all he can think about is all of us. The nastiness, the filthiness, the shame that we have because of the things that we've done against God. And he's thinking about us. And he's thinking about those men that are driving those spikes into his hands. He said, they don't know. God, they don't get it. Father, they don't understand. Please, pour your grace out on them. And he's sitting there and he's, he's, he's doing this. And there's these two criminals watching him. And, and the whole world, I guess you would say, in a way, these leaders kind of represent the whole world. Like, if you're God, then why do bad things happen? Isn't that the way the world looks at, at God? Well, if you're all-powerful and you're almighty, why does bad things happen? This is your very son. Surely you would save him. Surely you would make things work out a different way if you were God and you were all-powerful. Why in the world would God let bad things happen to good people? Why in the world would a good God do that? It's just showing their ignorance. You know why? Because it, it shows that they think they deserve something. Don't we? I didn't deserve for my daughter to die. I didn't deserve for my daughter to have cancer. I, I, didn't, I didn't deserve to have to, to, to go to a graduation ceremony and watch every single person walk across and get their diploma except for her. I didn't deserve that. You know what the reality is? You know what I deserve when I look at myself? I'm take an honest, true look and picture of myself. I deserve hell this very instant. I deserve no grace from God whatsoever. I deserve to suffer in eternal damnation from this point for all of eternity forever because of the things I've done against God. That's what I deserve. And here I am claiming to say, God, I didn't deserve for my daughter to die. Isn't that the way the world looks at God? Isn't that the way the world looks at God? God, if, if you were so powerful and you were so mighty, you wouldn't let bad things happen. And the whole time God's saying, you know what I'm doing through my son Jesus Christ? I'm redeeming the whole world so that they might have eternal life through me if they would put their trust in me and what I have done through my son. And the leaders are crying out, this is the Messiah, huh? This is what a Messiah looks like, naked, hanging on a cross, 
beaten beyond comprehension where you can barely recognize him as a human being. That's what a Messiah looks like. And the whole time, the whole time we all know, looking at this story, looking back, we say that is exactly what a Messiah looks like. One that would give up his own life for me. That would take the beating that I deserve. That's exactly what a good God looks like. And we see one of the criminals falls into the same trap. The same trap that the rest of the world is in of taking a look at the situation and going, you know what, based on my circumstances right now, this, is, this doesn't look like you're the Messiah. This doesn't look like you're a good and loving God. This doesn't look like what you've, what you've said that you are, man. It doesn't look like that. Says, if you're the Messiah, prove it. Prove it to me. Come on. Let me see some evidence. That's what I want to see. Boy, isn't this, isn't this what the world does? If you're God, prove it. Prove it. This is what the world is, shouts. Prove it. Show yourself. Let me see that you're God. Come on, rescue her. She has cancer, and she's laying in a hospital bed, and, and, and she can't even speak because her, her brain is consumed with cancers. Prove it, God. If you're strong and you're mighty and you love us, prove it. And that's what the criminals say and hang on that cross. Prove it. Show me something. We're so dumb, man. We're so, so dumb. We're, we're screaming all day long, God, prove it. And God's hanging on the cross saying, I already did. I already did. We're, we're, we're screaming for something to happen so that we can see God. And God's like 2,000 years ago, it already did. The only people putting us in, in captivity right now is ourselves. The only, the only people putting, our, putting bondage chains on us is ourselves. The only people crying out for God to prove it is ourselves. And God's already proven it. Through his son Jesus Christ when he took those spikes into his hand. He's proved it. This criminal says, you know what? If you're good, then you'll save yourself and you'll save us too. If you've got so much power and so much ability, then, then you'll, you'll save yourself and you'll save us too. And Jesus remains silent here. He doesn't say anything. You know what Jesus is saying? You know what, you know what Jesus is saying right here by remaining silent? My actions are speaking a heck of a lot louder than my words. I am saving you right now. By taking those spikes into his, his wrists, into his feet, that he is saving them in that instance. That is what he is doing. And he's not saying a word. And they're making accusations against him. The whole time, he's in the very act of doing what they're asking him to do. To save them. But they have this limited perspective on who God is. And they think that salvation just means for the here and the now. And you see, one criminal, he just got this limited perspective of what a Messiah is supposed to look like. And then you see this other guy. 
You see the other guy who's enduring the same stuff Jesus is, who's enduring the same stuff the other criminal is. He's looking over there and he sees that there's a sign above Jesus as King of the Jews. He knows that Jesus is proclaimed to be the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and he's enduring the same stuff. But he has an encounter with Jesus that's just a little different. The other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? I want to tell you something for just a second. You don't find the sinner's prayer in this book at all, okay? The thing that most people call the sinner's prayer, you don't find that in this book. If you will look, you don't find a sinner's prayer in here. But what you do find here is the closest thing I've been able to find to a sinner's prayer in this particular passage. And that is when this man looks at, at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But we see, leading up to this, this man making some confessions here. And this is all about the overflow of his heart and where he is right in this place. And here, let's look at what it says. He says, don't you fear God? So he is acknowledging what in this particular time, in this particular... What is he acknowledging? Isn't he acknowledging that this is God he's talking to? Isn't he acknowledging that this man you're making fun of hanging on the cross beside us is God? Here you are mocking him, making fun of him, asking him for things that you don't rightly deserve. Don't you fear God? If you were to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is the very first step in your being saved from from death to life. And here, that's exactly what we see. We see this man hanging on a cross on his deathbed. And what is he saying? Don't you fear God? Don't you, you, you fear the, the, the very God that, that is represented here laying on the cross beside us? Aren't you afraid of mocking this man because this man is God? This man is God. And not only is he saying he's God. You're saying, if he's God, you're going to fear him. Jesus, at this point in his life, doesn't look like somebody you would be afraid of. The flesh has been ripped off his bones, muscles and bones and blood's all you can see. He doesn't look like somebody you should be afraid of, does he? Hanging on a cross. But that's not the way this man sees it. This criminal sees this as God. It doesn't matter what the outward appearance looks like. He's still God, and he's still in control, and he's still to be feared. Don't you fear God? And then look at what else it says. Don't you fear God when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. What does this look like? This looks like a man taking an honest look at himself, doesn't it? This looks like a man who's paused for just a minute in the middle of his death sentence to look at himself and who he really is. 
doesn't it? He says, I'm a thief. I'm a crook. I'm a criminal. All I do is take from others, and all I do is worry about selfish gain. And because of that, I deserve to die. My whole life, I've been concerned about me. My whole life has been fixated on, on, on what I need and what I think I deserve. So, so here I am. Here I am in this place, hanging on a cross because I got caught in the middle of committing crimes, in the middle of being a thief, in the middle of doing the things that my flesh desired for all of my life. Here I am. I got caught and I've been sentenced. And we deserve it. We deserve it. Do you ever stop to think about what we deserve? Do you ever stop and pause for a minute and look at, take an honest look at yourself and say, you know what, I know what I deserve. The honest truth for me is, I, I think about my daughter a lot, okay? And, and I think, think about how the fact she's not here, you know? And uh, I should be planning a birthday party right now. And I, I remember, I remember the birthday party that we planned right before she passed away. And I remember what that looked like. And we just had tons and tons of people show up at the skating rink to, to celebrate her, her last birthday, you know? man, God, I just want to go back to that moment, you know, when I still had her here. And, and I just want to go back there and just live in that moment. And I get fixated on that sometimes. But what I forget, what I forget so much is I just think about those moments of heartache and I forget about eternity. And I forget about the forever, you know? And the fact that, that, that Jesus did what he did on the cross that day for me and for my daughter means that I get to spend all of eternity with her. As I get fixated on that one moment, that one time, that one birthday, I need to remember the truth. I need to remember the truth that, that I don't need to focus on what is temporary but what is eternal. And here, I believe we see this man doing this. He, he, he looks and he says, in this moment, we're getting what we deserve. In this moment, we're getting exactly what we deserve. Because of our selfish desires. This is where we belong. This is what's supposed to happen. But then he acknowledges Jesus in this way. He just says something simple. I mean, this is the most beautiful Simple sinner's prayer I've ever heard. He just looks at Jesus. I, I can just picture him in my mind just looking to his, his right or to his left. We don't know which side he was on. And, and, and looking to Jesus and just saying, Will you remember me when your kingdom comes? Will you just remember me? It's a simple request. Will you, Jesus... Will you just remember me? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? For, for God to just remember us? Isn't that what we desire? It's just to feel like we're not alone in this universe and it's all for naught. That we're actually here for a purpose. And, and that, that 
as dirty and as nasty and as filthy as we feel, and as we're hanging on the cross ourselves, looking at ourselves, taking an honest picture of ourselves, don't we just want God to look at us? Don't, don't we just want him to look at us and say, I'll remember you? But look at what this thief does. He says, he, put, he, puts, he puts no restraints or no time frame. He says, whenever. Just whenever your kingdom comes, Lord. Whenever that may be. See, right there in that moment, it would have been nice if God would have rescued him and taken him to that kingdom right then and right there. Because this guy's suffering, hanging on a cross, and I'm sure it's torturous being hung there and dying. The death that happens when you die on a cross, because what happens on a cross is that, that you hang there until you can't breathe anymore. That you can't push yourself up to catch your next breath. That's the way you die on a cross. And if you continue to breathe, what they do is they break your legs so that you can't push yourself up anymore. And then you die because your lungs are crushed in such a way that you die of asphyxiation. And I'm sure in that moment, he sure would have liked for, for God's kingdom to have come. And God would have rescued him right then. But that's not what he said. He said, whenever. Whenever. It doesn't matter if it's now Jesus, if it's 10 days from now, if it's 10,000 years from now, whenever that time is, God, if you'll remember me. Whenever. But Jesus, Jesus being the good God that he is, Jesus being that Messiah that rescues and saves and redeems, Jesus being him, what does he say? This guy says, whenever. Whenever. And Jesus says, today. Jesus didn't say, yeah, someday in the future, at some point, I can't make you any promises, at, at, at some point in the future. He doesn't say that. No, he says, today, this very instant, you will be with me in paradise. You know what I believe? This is just me. This is just me telling you what I believe. You can... You can write this down or not. It don't matter to me. But let me tell you what I believe. I believe when Jesus said today for that man, you will be with me in paradise. When he heard those words, I believe that man was rescued. I believe that there was a tremendous burden that was lifted off of his shoulders in that very instance. And it did not matter if he hung on that cross for another three hours or three days. That man's burden was lifted at that very moment when Jesus just said the words, Today you will be with me in paradise. All your struggles, all your pains, all the things that you're experiencing right now, it is being taken away from you. Because you acknowledge the fact that I am God. You have acknowledged who you are in your sinful condition. And you will, you've acknowledged the fact that there is a kingdom, and there is a kingdom coming. And it belongs to me and my Father. And he says, today, this very instant, you will be with me in paradise. Can I tell you something? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you acknowledge those things before God, when Jesus says, today is the day of salvation for you, that it does not matter what the rest of your life, whether it's three hours, three months, three years, 13 years, 30 years, 36 years, 3,000 more years that you live, what matters is that very moment, Jesus says, you are in paradise now. Amen. You are in paradise now. You see, some people, can I tell you something? Some people struggle with this. They're like, they look at this, this, this thief making a deathbed confessional right here. And, and they say, man, 
this guy got off easy. He could live his life and do whatever he wanted to. And, and, and then at the very last minute, the last 30 minutes of his life, he gets to confess Jesus Christ. And he's rescued and he's saved. And he gets to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Whereas me, I gave my life to Jesus Christ at nine years old. And now i got to struggle and battle and do all these things. And all that does when you really say that is acknowledge how messed up your theology is. Because once you're inside the kingdom of God, you're not going to spend the rest of your life messing up and taking yourself out of the kingdom of God. You are saved. You are in paradise. You are in his presence from that very moment. And you get to relish the rest of your life knowing that you're going to spend eternity with him in paradise. Your blessing is greater because you get to spend the rest of your life, the rest of your days living out those moments, knowing that when my life ends, when I take my last breath, that I'm going to be in the presence of the glory of God. You get the very privilege of knowing that. It's not a curse, it's a blessing that you get that. And this man is hanging there on the cross. And Jesus looks at him and says, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. And I'm just going to, it's not going to be on the screen, but I just want you to listen. It says, that by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. say, well, this, this thief, he got in just in time, right? He got in just in time. The reality is, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that think they've got plenty of time. They think that I can just make a deathbed confession one day, that I can live and do whatever I want to, and then I can make a deathbed confession one day, and I can go be with him in paradise. The problem is, problem is, there are two problems, actually. One is that, that you're going to spend the rest of your days trying to figure out whether or not you're actually going to be in that paradise. That you're actually going to be in the presence of God. And you're going to struggle with that. And you're going to lay awake at night. And you're going to feel guilty. And you're going to feel shameful. And you're going to struggle with that. And then the other is this. Is that you don't know when you're going to breathe your last. You may breathe your last in the next 10 minutes. You may breathe your last in the next 10 seconds. So don't you understand... That every single confession that is made before God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of the living God, that he has offered his perfect grace for you. Don't you realize that every single confession that is made before God is a deathbed confession? Every single one of them are deathbed confessions. Will you make a deathbed confession today? Will you give him your life? Will you just come and fall down at at the face of Jesus, fall down at the cross of Jesus and say, will you remember me when your kingdom comes? Will you simply ask him that today? 
Will you acknowledge the fact that he is God, acknowledge who you are in your own sinful condition, and acknowledge the fact that he's, he's died for you, and when he said it is finished, it is finished. And will you ask him today, when your kingdom comes, will you remember me? That's the chance that you have. For those of you that have given your life to Jesus, maybe this has encouraged you, maybe this has reminded you of all the heartaches and the struggles that you have and you think you deserve something different but the reality is we recognize today that we all deserve hell that we all deserve an eternal death separated from God but then you remember how gracious God is and how loving he is and even though we struggle and even though sometimes we have cancer that comes into our lives and people that we love when they die and we think we deserve something better than that we think we don't deserve to go through those situations. We need to take an honest look at ourselves and see what we really deserve. And see the amazing grace that God has poured out for us. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the fact that I, there are hurting people in this place. Some people are hurting because they've never given their life to Christ. Some people are, are just laying awake at night wondering what's going to happen to them when they breathe their last. God, I pray that those people would come to know you. I pray that they would give their lives to you today by just simply saying, will you remember me when your kingdom comes? Whenever that time may be, Father, will you remember me? And then there are some today, God, that we've forgotten. We've taken our eyes off the eternal and we've put it on the temporary and we just think that, that what we're struggling through right now, that it's going to last forever. I can remember distinctly my wife looking at me and asking me, will this pain, losing our daughter, will it last forever? And I looked at her, and I remember saying, not forever. Not forever. So, God, I thank you for the eternal promises. I thank you for the strength that you give us, the hope that you give us through those eternal promises. May we fix our eyes on those today. Take our eyes away from our current trials and struggles and difficulties and fix them on Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, who died for us all and took those nails in his hands so that we might be set free. God, he, he did. He did take those criminals off the cross that day. He did it by shedding his blood for them. So, God, we thank you for this time. May we respond to you as you call us. In Jesus' name, amen.